This is the Business Storytelling Podcast with Christoph Trapp, available on Google, Spotify, Apple, Pandora, and other podcast channels. Want to play it on your iPhone? Just ask Siri to play the Christoph Trapp Business Storytelling Podcast, also available on Alexa. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Hey, business storytellers. How's it going? Thanks for joining me. Another episode of the Business Storytelling Podcast here Live streaming all the different channels, Twitter, Periscope, YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, LinkedIn. If you are listening on the podcast channels down the road here, make sure that you connect with me on any of those channels so you can see when we're going live in the future. Really, really quickly before we jump into the topic, uh, if you want to live stream with Switcher Studio, uh, use Trap One. That's the platform I use uh, to produce this thing. You know, I can move things around, show my logo, come back to me split screen, you'll see all those things, finally getting the hang of it. Once you get into it, it's really not that difficult. So today, we want to talk about marketing plans. Do we need them? Do we not need them? Uh, how, do we, uh, how do we implement them? 2020 has been a crazy year, for sure. Um, friendly reminder, I did actually design that t-shirt, one-star review to 2020, try 2021. It's been terrible. Um, so I connected with Jason Bradwell on um, Twitter. We'll bring him on on here out of the comfy green room. Ha ha. Uh, we're obviously still remote. All of us. Uh, everybody is at home. I don't know where Jason is, but uh, and we had a conversation on Twitter about what kind of marketing plan do you need? Uh, how deep does it need to go? And you know what? Back in the day, we made um, the uh, what do you call them? Uh, Year long marketing plan. And twenty twenty changes like every two days. So how do you go about that? So let's bring him on the show here, out of the green room, out of his comfy couch. Jason Bradwell, how are you doing? Not bad, Christoph. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for coming on. Uh, now we've been connected for a little while, but 2020, what a mess, right? What a crazy year to, to be in this wonderful profession uh, that, that we're in. Um, I mean, I think the question, talking and how do you implement and adapt marketing plans is just such a hot topic right now. So I'm glad to be talking to you about it. So what? So I've done different types of marketing plans over the years. I mean, you know, kind of like high level. It's not as much about what's the uh, what's the specific goal, but how do you keep moving forward, right? Like how do you uh, keep pushing along? What are you trying to accomplish? Those kind of things. And then I've also done marketing plans. Let's call them multi-year marketing plans, which sounds crazy today. What's your mm. philosophy? How do you uh, how do we go about it? I think it really depends on the kind of organization that that you are and that you're that you're working in. Um, you know, my experience, my my career, I've worked uh, primarily in organizations um, that you know have been implementing marketing strategies if not from from scratch certainly at the very early days and i think when you're in that position um you know you need to you need to be flexible and these kind of multi-year campaigns that, that you've worked on in the past um there's, there's a place for them in certain kinds of organizations but i think you know when you're a startup or you're just implementing uh you know a marketing function function within a business you need to leave a lot of room to adapt to the changing situation of the business. And, uh, you know, particularly this year, I mean, you alluded to it at the beginning, case in point, uh, I don't think anyone who set out at the beginning of 2020 with a marketing strategy, whether it's, you know, for five years, a year or just a month, um, you know, kept it in, the, in, its, in its original format, you know, it had to be changed by necessity. 
marketing for your small to medium-sized business? Reach out now and drop us a message at ctrap at gmail.com. Things have changed so much this year. It's been kind of crazy. I remember when they were talking about going back to school, uh, you know, arguing over is it um, half at school, half at home, whatever it might be. And my father-in-law said, you got to remember, you got like three more weeks. Uh, Who knows what's going to change? And then the next thing that changed, we had the Iowa inland hurricane come through here. 90% of buildings had some kind of uh, damage, right? So again, something else changed. And I actually, I I was talking to some companies right before that happened about marketing. And I mean, it just blew up, right? Like they didn't, they they weren't doing what they were going to do two days earlier. Um, So how... I have preached before, and I'm, I'm not necessarily changing my opinion on this. I think it is good indeed to have something written down, right? To say, mm-hmm. here's what we're doing. Here's who we are. It doesn't have to be super long. And, and, you know, once you have it written down, I guess, I don't know if you have to refer back to it all the time. But what's your, uh, how, how do you go about planning? Like, what's if you go into a new project, let's pick on a startup, for example, since you mentioned that. How do you start like what's what's your philosophy there yeah i mean i'm in the same boat as you i think it's it's always it's always uh good to have a plan and a strategy in place that's documented and can be shared with the wider business and you know there's there's a a bunch of reasons for that i mean it provides you know provides focus um you know to your activities and, and the tactics that you choose to deploy it allows you to more efficiently manage and allocate resources uh, transparency, you know, um, with the organization as a whole, um, you can be more kind of consistent, uh, allows you to be more consistent. So, you know, I just want to preface it. I think always having a plan in place is, is needed. Um, in the case of, you know, a startup, a fresh, you know, head of marketing or, or small, uh, team of marketers, um, I think you need to do a lot of experimentation, right? You need to find out what clicks and, and what works. So setting yourself at the beginning of a year or at a quarter, some objectives that you need to, you need to reach, um, whether that is, you know, growing awareness, um, whether that is in the B2B world, you know, um, increasing pipeline, um, you need those objectives to, to, uh, to come first before you can put in a plan. But when you're in that startup environment, uh, you want to keep it fairly loose so you know what you're going after but you want to run a lot of tests a lot of different campaigns um, uh, just to kind of start seeing what works and building up that data set uh, in what's actually resonating with your with your audience and with your customer base so you know you may uh, in, in a startup environment where maybe time resource budget um, is is not as high as you want it to be um, you really want to kind of focus in on two or three things that you can really uh, get stuck in with. Um, as I say, run a bunch of tests and see how that gets you towards um, those objectives that you set out at the beginning of the year. But be flexible, be nimble, move quickly, fail fast. And when we talk about objectives, like what are we talking about? I mean, stuff takes time, right? I mean, it doesn't, uh, overnight success doesn't really happen if it ever happened, I guess. Mm. Uh, I just listened to a show earlier, actually a podcast. I don't remember who it was. Um, and they were talking about, you know, you can't really build a brand in a couple months. Uh, it takes a little bit of time. So um, so what are some out-of-the-gate objectives that people should set? I mean, certainly, um, you know, establish our brand, I guess, and, and, and reach yeah. the right audiences. But 
But how do you also, how do you measure that and how do you go from there? Um, you know, look, it varies business by business, obviously. Um, and, uh, you know, my background uh, is primarily in the B2B space and particularly working for B2B organizations where the sales cycles are very long, you know, anything mm -hmm. from three months to three years from, you know, getting a lead into your CRM and actually getting to the point of them signing a contract and becoming a customer. So, you know, you need to be cognizant of the fact of, of that process and what the sales cycle looks like, because you're going to shoot yourself in the foot if you're setting yourself an objective which is, you know, increase revenue by, you know, 50% in a quarter when, you know, it doesn't, it takes much longer than a quarter to even find a potential customer and get them to the point of um, signing a deal. You know, it could take, a, it could take a couple of years, as I mentioned. Whatever objectives you set, you want to be crystal clear with your leadership team, the sales team, and any other stakeholders across the business about what they are and ensure that they are you know, achievable and attainable and moving the needle um, on the wider company strategic strategic objectives. You know, you don't want to be operating in isolation and you also don't want to be setting yourself, you know, objectives that you as a marketer would be proud to, 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 to see, you know, whether that is like an increase in social media followers or an increase in, you know, email open rates. But what the CEO wants to see is, you know, uh, movement on the bottom line you know they want to see things like pipeline growth so whatever objectives you set just you know make sure that right from the get-go they are understood and aligned on by the wider organization yeah absolutely and i mean you were even talking about social media following um that has changed so much as well i remember that used to be a really good goal and today of course um you know just because you have a lot of followers doesn't mean they even see it thank you to the algorithms so be aware what your goals are doing. The other thing I really like, Jason, is you talked about the timeline, right? So if you're, I mean, I remember actually a big SaaS company and um, the, the way it worked is I think one year the sales team had really good years and the next year the sales team usually had really bad years. And then every two years they had a really good year. And what happened is the sales cycle was two years. <laughs> yes. You know? So <laughs> So it's a long one, right? And and that's it's something to keep in mind. B two B, especially, um, they're not sitting on their couch and buying yet another sports hat, right? I mean, I'm looking at mine here. I got way too many hats. I only got one head <laughs> to put it on, uh, but I just buy it, right? If when I want it as a consumer. But B two B, you got buying committees. You have longer uh, cycles. I mean, when Scott Brinker was on the show, we talked about. Um, all the different tech companies out there, you know, I mean, you can spend a full-time job just evaluating things. Yeah. So certainly, um, certainly that helps. But you do need something, you, you need a plan just because so you have something to talk about, right? Because if, if you don't have it written down, uh, the uh, possibility of um, misunderstanding or miscommunication is really, really high, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, particularly in situations where, you know, marketers find themselves either in, you know, a team of one or, um, you know, mm -hmm. a small marketing team, which is not obviously uncommon in B2B companies, um, where which is, you know, in some instances, largely, uh, you know, commercial led, I guess, businesses being built on the strength of their relationships that the commercial team hold. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very important that when you are in those situations where time resources, you know, are a little bit more limited, that you have something documented at the beginning of the process to ensure that 
you don't kind of go down a road that isn't going to potentially lead anywhere, or at least, you know, maybe that's a road that we want to explore in the next quarter or the next year. You know, when you're in a small team and there's all these different channels that you can be experimenting with, you know, email, social media, ads, um, you know, events, PR, the list goes on. You can very quickly just spread yourself way too thin and uh, ultimately not see any results off the back of it. Whereas better to say at the beginning of the year, the beginning of a quarter, you know, here's the objective that we're trying to hit. We want to we want to contribute to a 5% increase in our pipeline, our sales pipeline. And how we're going to do that is we're going to run a bunch of different account-based marketing campaigns. Um, and, you know, what those look like, the specifics of their tactical implementation, doesn't need to come right now. You know, it doesn't need to come at the beginning as I'm presenting this plan to, to the board or to the leadership team. But just know that for the next three months in this small team, we're going to be focusing our efforts on ABM and you know we'll we'll report back at the end of the quarter on the success of that and then adjust accordingly you know the, the the worst thing you can do is if you can see after giving a good go to a particular channel or a tactic that it's just not yielding the results you know of course there is a timing consideration you know we want to mm -hmm. make sure that we give this a good go but you know there is a point where you know you have to park it and, and try something else um, so yeah you have to be cognizant of that Everyone wants to move their content from happening to performing, and it's possible. Check out my latest book with the latest tips and tricks and advice on how to establish that content performance culture. It's possible. The book is available at contentperformance.online. How, but how long do you give a, a specific channel? I mean, I'm just thinking about even podcasting. You know, my mm -hmm. podcast, they kind of... They kept going like this and this, and they kept going up a little bit. And then all of a sudden it went, right? And then it goes even more. I, I'm running out of screen space here. But, um, like, how do you know? Like, how long, like, if I'm thinking about SEO even, I mean, we had Michelle Garrett on the show, and she talked about how in B2B, um, a lot of times you're really high-performing SEO content. It takes a year to two years to really rank, to show up, Um I mean, if you're, you know, you go to the board meeting, I can just see the board say, two years? That's crazy. I mean, can't you? Like, that's that's yeah. a long time. But it's really not if you think about it. No, and I've been in that situation before, you know, especially around things like content marketing, you know. Mm -hmm. um, content marketing and B2B is one of those things that you need to invest, you know, a lot of time and energy into really building out a robust, scalable content plan before you start seeing results, right? And this yep. is something I discussed with um, Fee Shales on my podcast, B2B Better, uh, last week. And I think that comes down to setting milestones, right? Because I think there's a, a difference between objectives and milestones. Um, you know, your objectives are the end goal. You know, what what is the, the end point, at least of this part of, of this uh, experiment or this campaign? Um, and then what are the kind of the, 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 the micro milestones that we need to hit uh, between, you know, now and that uh, date of achieving that objective just to give us confidence that we are, see, you know, we are seeing some movement as micro as that may be at the beginning. Um, I don't think, you know, setting a kind of five-year objective of, you know, becoming recognized as the global leader in insert technology of choice here um that's a very 
ambiguous goal to judge yourself on? You know, what are the kind of the milestones that you're going to hit on that journey that give you confidence that you're on the right path? I, uh, but however, I have heard people proclaim that goal. They want to be the thought leader or whatever, the industry leader. Um, interestingly, a lot of companies, they call themselves the industry leader on their website anyways, uh, whether they are or not. I mean, you've seen that before, right? Uh, we're the industry leader in whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, those kind of uh, those those marketing buzzwords uh, are a plenty, uh, particularly in the B2B world. And um, yeah, so I've seen that countless times. Um, there can only be so many thought leaders in the world, right? Right. And um, yeah, according to my marketing team, I'm the foremost expert in anything. Right. So always hard to uh, believe those kind of claims unless somebody else said them. So let's talk about um, what happened here with COVID. I mean, we had Kathy, uh, Kathy McPhillips on the show, the Content Marketing Institute, of course, they published their B2B survey and they said a lot of companies had to pivot pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And actually, you know, what, what has changed for me a little bit is I used to publish, uh, I used to have things ready about three months in, a, in, in you know, out. Uh, and that's what I used to recommend for clients. And then COVID hit and I saw a lot of content. I mean, not, maybe not a ton, but if you think about it, every piece of content costs time, costs money, costs whatever. And, you know, so if you have to kill a piece of content, not a good situation to be in. And I actually had to kill some because mm. they just didn't fit at all. Like the topic was irrelevant at that point mm. uh, because of COVID. So now what I recommend is, so my podcast too, about a month out. I mean, not even, you know, and, but, but we're currently, we're publishing daily uh, which mm. we'll see what happens. Uh, four times a week, people um, liked it. People still listen. Seven times a week, we'll see. But I don't want to be publishing. I, you know, I don't want to publish. So this this show is publishing. Um, what is that? You know, three weeks now, two and a half weeks after we live stream it, and it's a pretty. I mean, it's pretty timely, even if it's in three weeks. But mm. let's say I publish it in three months, you know, who knows? I mean, what the topic might be, who knows uh, what uh, maybe things have changed. So that's kind of what I've done. But how about um, pivoting or changing course when yeah. something happens like COVID? What are your tips? So, you know, this is something that obviously we all experience firsthand uh, over the course of the year in having to in having to pivot. And for me personally and that of, of my team, you know, where we where we saw that, uh, the strongest was around events, you know, because in the B2B world, you know, events are such a make conferences, exhibitions, things like that are such a major source um, of business development for us. You know, um, we take an exhibition, exhibition booth out at CES in Vegas in January. And, you know, maybe that contributes to 50% of our, mm-hmm. of our new prospects um, for, for that quarter or for that year. And, you know, February, March time, we were seeing events with the rest of the world just slowly get crossed off of our calendar. <laughs> events that we had, we, had, we had spent months planning for, you know, months, you know, preparing the stand and, you know, aligning on the messaging with the wider business and creating all that kind of collateral that was going to exist on the stand and building out the kind of outreach campaigns to book meetings and, you know, get press on the booth for, for briefings. And, you know, so hundreds of, of hours were spent on preparing for these events and they're such a big part of of what we work on every year and you know obviously they they, they all got cancelled so we had to pivot um you know to to fill to fill that gap that previously was a huge contributor to 
uh, our KPIs around around lead generation. And um, we we've experimented. You know, we've taken on opportunities with event partners that have gone virtual. We've experimented with um, hosting our own branded events. Um, you know, we've tried a bunch. We've we've upped our content production so we could continue pushing the themes uh, and the messaging around those events that we wanted to get across. Um, and you know, we just had to we just had to kind of feel our way through. And I'm you know I'm very proud and, and pleased of the team. Uh, you know, w w at my company who have really risen to the challenge and you know um, continue to deliver results for us. Um, you know, we've we've we just completed an event two weeks ago, which was with a partner. Um, so a partner, a partner event, a partner conference, and we were trying to do something a little bit different than just kind of sponsoring a session. Um, uh, so we agreed with them that we were going to own a virtual pop-up channel, which was going to be two and a half hours to sit alongside the main agenda that we were going to fill with our content, you know? So mm -hmm. all that we were, all that we were working, all that we were, um, uh, uh, expecting from that relationship with our event partner was promotion um, and obviously the brand association um, uh, alongside them alongside them and then we were responsible for building out that content within that two and a half hour period and it was a lot of work it was a lot of fun we managed to put together a great roster of, of, of uh, client-led panels and case studies and you know we negotiated that the content would be ours after the fact mm -hmm. so we can continue to use that content across all of our other channels after a grace period once the event had finished you know we can put it on our blog we can promote it on social media we can convert the audio into podcast episodes um our sales team can use it in their one-to-one -one prospecting you know it was just kind of a it was a fun creative way of repurposing you know what could have just been you know another virtual event that everyone's kind of fatigued of and really you know making it as much of our own as we could yeah, I definitely am fatigued of virtual events. And um, the one thing I think people forget about, I want to show this to you quickly here. Uh, so I actually have one more coming up. I don't know if you guys can see that or if that's too small. Uh, third Content Marketing Summit is coming up in Istanbul. And uh, that's, I believe, November, November 19th or something. So I'm speaking at that. Um, and what was interesting, um, Jason, they said to me, well, you don't have to come to... Um, turkey anymore and i'm like that was half the fun this is just like a, <laughs> right like that's half the fun this is just like another um webinar or another i mean i could do a podcast you know i mean you're in the uk i'm in the u.s like mm -hmm. i can do that every day and i and i do kind of do do that <laughs> every day so it, it is like i mean you're missing out i think with the events uh having disappeared and i know they're slowly coming back uh, and I certainly, I have fatigue too. I mean, I think there's fatigue for everything now. Zoom fatigue, uh, ad fatigue, everything, right? Um, and go ahead. And that's and that's why it's, you know, important, just going back to the original question around planning, that you, you particularly right now, you maintain that flexibility, that room to maneuver. Because, you know, at the beginning of the lockdown um, and the beginning of the pandemic, Every man and his dog was doing a was doing a, a virtual event, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, maybe back then it didn't cross anyone's mind that actually too many of these over a prolonged period of time, you know, six, seven, eight months. By the end of it, <clears> people just aren't going to be fed. They just aren't going to be interested anymore, or going to be less interested than than they were at the beginning. So, knowing that now that we that we know it, are we going to continue to 
you know, just run the same bread and butter virtual events that we were doing at the beginning of lockdown. No, we have to, you know, think of something different. We have to, you know, uh, be more creative, think outside the box. How can we achieve the same result, which is, you know, contributing to our, our lead generation and our pipeline with something different, you know, and we can't, if, if we had had a set in stone plan or strategy at the beginning mm-hmm. um, that we were unable to kind of, you know, unlock ourselves from, then we we would be in a in a tricky situation. What's interesting about the events too, and I think people forget about that hours cost money. So when mm. you spend hundreds of hours, you know, planning for an event, and then the event doesn't happen or the event is not successful, that's um, that can be a problem. And you know, and I don't know how to get around it in this case, but I'll give you guys this example. I try to maximize all of my content. So again, not to keep talking about how we do these live streams, but. We're doing this live stream, right? We're going to five channels. Then that audio goes to 19 channels. Then I do an article a lot of times. So that goes to another channel. And I, what I'm trying, and then it goes to social all over. Jason will probably message me in a couple of weeks and say, please stop tagging me. I don't need to be tagged every <laughs> five seconds. It's not every five seconds, maybe every 10. But, you know, it, I, I mean, I, I'm trying to maximize all the content I'm doing. And I think when you have an event, um, and the event gets canceled. It's kind of like my book. My book came out, you know, in January and then March mm. hit. I was going to be in Europe for almost all of May, right? Oh, actually, end of April, uh, half the first uh, half or third of May. Uh, everything got canceled. I didn't go anywhere, right? The only book sales are through um, through virtual conferences, Zoom calls, you know, and yeah. uh, good old digital marketing, which is fine to an extent, but certainly it's not the same as flying to Hamburg, Germany, and speaking at the online marketing Rockstars event. Um, but how do you how do you tie in events? Or, or, I mean, is there, back then we didn't even think about it, right? That events would be mm-hmm. canceled. But today, now that we know, is there a way to maximize that stuff more out of the gate, even if nothing happens? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I've, always, I've always thought that, you know, um, no no work is wasted right mm-hmm. you run a campaign and it doesn't work at least you've learned that it hasn't worked you know if you write a blog post that falls flat at least you know then that you know you maybe shouldn't be talking about that particular topic uh in in the future uh so i'm a i'm a believer that no work is wasted around the event um just using the an example that that we experienced at the beginning of the year you know as i mentioned we planned uh, we spent hundreds of hours in uh, preparing uh, for a, a marquee event at the end of Q1 that included a load of messaging work, a load of positioning work, collaboration with partners on a launch story that we wanted to go and lead with at the event, um, a bunch of kind of print collateral. You know, there was a lot of moving pieces that we were pulling together uh, to, to actually launch this, uh, to, to activate this event at the beginning of Q1. And once... Uh, the event was cancelled, which was about a week before it was due to happen. Um, you know, we had to think on our feet, and you know, make sure that if we weren't going to be able to do it in the way we wanted to, that we were uh, still getting the value out of all of that great material that we had produced. So, you know, we implemented a a pretty robust content and digital marketing strategy um, to get all of that great collateral we produced for the event out into the world. We continue to run briefings with the media around this product launch. Um, 
we, you know, informed our sales team. Uh, we ran briefing sessions with them around all of the messaging and the positioning work we had done. You know, what was the story we were trying to tell and how were we going to tell it so that they could continue to reach out to their prospects, even if it was via email um, or on the phone. Um, to continue selling that story that we would have been able to do in person. So, um, you know, my point is, is that any work that is, you know, no work is wasted. You can always reuse, whether it's um, in, internal, in an internal way, an external way, or just an educational way um, on what to do or not do in the future. Everything, everything is valuable. And, you know, you mentioned uh, you have a blog post that doesn't perform or when you, when you create one like that. Uh, guys, I've created so many crappy articles that don't perform. Oh, yeah. But but here's the thing. Here's what I do with them. So now I got years and years of articles, and if they are, if they're not in the top, I don't even know what it is, like the top eighty or top two hundred, something like that. If I have a similar topic, I just repurpose them, and I maybe try to go after a different keyword. So I delete the old one, and I you know I use some of that content. I just did this with an article, um, actually from the podcast with Scott Brinker. Um, I have a whole article already, like 1,200 words on a very similar topic, but it didn't perform back then. This is like three years ago, so I'm just repurposing it. Um, so don't just think of channels. Don't just think of an event. Um, one of the things I love about events, Jason, is um, you can integrate everything, right? You're at the booth or you're talking to people. You can do podcasts. You're in front of people. Um, and, and certainly, um, I hope that comes back. Do you think, what do you, what's your prediction for events? 2021, 2022? How's it looking? Do you think? Ah, uh, that is a good, good question. Um, it is just so difficult to, it's so difficult to say, you know, this year has really kind of thrown, thrown everyone for, in a loop. And as you mentioned earlier, you know, we thought this was just going to last a few weeks and it's ended up lasting, you know, almost, almost eight, nine months now. Um, I feel that, I feel that event organizers will do their damnedest to, uh, you know, try and make something live um, mm -hmm. as long as, you know, the conditions allow them to do so safely. Um, however, I do expect that, you know, we will, they will continue have, to, they will continue have, they will have to continue pushing the envelope themselves on how they can cont continue to deliver value to their sponsors and their exhibitors um and their speakers you know people that are just kind of getting up on stage like like you're gonna you would have been doing in istanbul in a couple of in a couple of weeks you know they're gonna have to continue pushing the envelope on exactly how they deliver value um in the situation where we continue to only be able to run virtual events for for the rest of 2021 um because i don't believe that um you know just the just just the same old kind of physical event in a virtual setting mm -hmm. um, is going to cut it on its own anymore. I think event organizers are going to have to continue to experiment around, around that proposition and how can we continue to deliver value to, to our, to our uh, sponsors. Yeah. And absolutely. And it, it's going to be interesting to see how it evolves um, uh, really quickly. Let's circle back to talking to the board or, you know, whomever about the marketing plan, how deep do you have to go when you're talking to the board? I mean, so it's like the one side of the gray area is, hey, we're going to build a brand. We're doing this. We're doing that. And then, of course, you also have, and I think content marketing world even said this one time to speakers, don't start your presentation how everything is changing. We know it is. Um, but do you have to remind people? I mean, things are changing all the time, right? 
And mm. I mean, I actually, I had an executive say to me before, we want to grow our uh, whatever Twitter or Facebook following. And I said, why? Like, why? If, you know, it doesn't, it's not the same thing anymore. Um, so how, you know, how, and then I remember when I, uh, when I reported to a board before, shared a um, strategy, I probably went deeper than they really needed to know, but it was a very, uh, it, it was quite a change environment, right? Things were changing quickly and they needed to hear some of those things. But as you're unveiling your strategy to other stakeholders, how deep should you go? And, 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 or, or how do you, or what's the high level pitch that you think can work? Yeah, um, I think it depends on what level of, of, of the level the recipient of that presentation is within the organization. Um, you know, to your point about uh, talking about things that are changing, you know, I always think it is useful to, you know, include one or two slides that provide some context around the decisions that you've decided to make and the strategy that you've decided to, to create and devise. Um, even if it is obvious that, you know, digital transformation is you know been accelerated through covid across a bunch of different um things and you know we need to adapt our marketing approach to to meet that um you know you're using that as kind of an anchor to uh validate the decisions that you're about to communicate to that board or to that leadership team you know we aren't just doing this because it you know we're not just doing TikTok because uh everyone's doing TikTok now you know we're doing TikTok because We've identified that over lockdown, you know, uh, the, the the demographic of users, if you know, maybe not posters, but certainly uh, users, expanded beyond just kind of like the 16 to 20 age range, um, and that you know, um, so our customers are now there, or you know, some of the people that we're trying to reach are there. So I think it's okay to include some sort of context to anchor your to anchor your argument. Um, in my experience, when communicating to a board or to a leadership team. Shorter is usually better. Um, you want to outline what it is you're trying to achieve and tie that to the objectives that you're setting and the milestones that you're setting along the journey to those objectives and how they tie to the wider um, company strategic objectives. You want to show that there is a link between your decisions and that of, of the business and where it's trying to go. Um, it's absolutely fine to dive into you know, the specific tactics, and I probably would encourage you to dive into the specific tactics in which you're going to implement to you know, uh, to hit those objectives and those milestones. Mm -hmm. But in my experience, you know, you haven't had to go to that level of granular detail with um, a leadership team as to like, we expect to publish this blog post on this day about this particular subject. You know, instead, you know, we're upping our, our blog post production. Here's how we're going to distribute it across these channels. Here are the general content themes that we're going to touch on. Any questions? Um, and yeah, I, I prefer for it to be more of a, more of a dialogue, a Q and A, as opposed to, uh, for the most part of it, as opposed to just a, you know, hour and a half long. I'm talking at you presentation, and here's a bunch of, you know, marketing frameworks and content matrices and, you know, pyramids, proposition pyramids. You know, here's what we're going after. Pie charts. Here's how we're going to achieve pie charts. Yeah, graphs, all that kind of stuff. Here's what we're trying to achieve. Here's how we're going to get there. Any questions? Absolutely. Um, I, I, I'm with you on that. Not a big fan of PowerPoints, not a big fan of um, long drawn out lectures and monologues, make it a conversation. Uh, but of course, keep your audience in mind. It really comes back to that. How do you how do you get your message across whoever your audience is? Um, Jason, we already have the for, for you guys watching on the live stream. We have his Twitter handle. 
uh, posted. It's also in the show notes uh, everywhere that this already pushed. Jason R. Brantwell on Twitter. Anywhere else people can connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on, on LinkedIn, Jason Bradwell. Um, and also, um, I, I host a weekly podcast called B2B Better, um, which is about helping uh, B2B marketers be better than boring. Um, and you can find that on all of the usual podcast directories, Apple, Spotify, Google, and what have you. And B2B Better, that again, just as a reminder, is actually the concept that Sam Horn talked about on the recent live stream right? The, I don't remember what you called it, but it's very easy to remember, like the uh, Java jacket or whatever. Um, I yeah. listened to the show as well on Google Podcasts, enjoyed very much, shared every once in a while. Um, take a listen to it. Jason, thanks for sharing um, your insights today. Really appreciate it. I appreciate you, Krista. Thank you so much. You bet. And hopefully everyone, uh, you got enough out of it to have enough of a marketing plan so you can still pivot when the next crazy thing happens in 2020, because I don't know, I, it probably will. Who knows what it is? Not, not too far away, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> right? Every month has something else. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. Until next time.